Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If someone exploits it, then that's their choice. That's not your choice. It's your record of your life. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm John R. Bray. And I'm Heather B. Armstrong. And today we're going to be taking a suggestion, actually, from someone who emailed us. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about what we do and don't share socially, specifically on social networks, about our kids now that we are separated you know, because it's sort of a window into our lives. So what do we feel like we can share? What do we feel like we can't share and why? And I think <laughs> you, you have a great perspective, though, because you, you know, a, a, your career was built on sharing. This is the age-old question of mommy blogging. It's the age-old controversy. Of right, what to share, what not to share, what how, to share, how do you curate what not it? To share. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're in a relationship, you can establish those guidelines, right? Theoretically. 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 And then Mm -hmm. when that relationship ends, you know, do the guidelines stay? Do they change? Does one person want them to change? I mean, there's a lot to figure in. Yes, there is a lot to figure in. And let's just, I'm not separated. I'm divorced. I'm sorry. I I I am super divorced. Like... I got a I got a verified check mark next to my divorce. Divorced, okay. A verified check mark. <laughs> yes. That's like a verified Twitter account, and like yep. verified divorce. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't, but I also don't have a verified marriage, so mm-hmm. I'll take it. What 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 I went through was a divorce. It was the whole shebang. Label it divorce, like what like, I went like through. Yeah. D U rather than D I. Divorce. Yeah. So, first of all, that question has been asked of mommy bloggers for the entire time we've been writing about our children online and how we are we are sacrificing their privacy and their dignity, and we are exploiting our children and etc. 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 And has been debated at length ad nauseum. Like this. This. The controversy is so, to me, boring. And just yesterday, just yesterday, I got an email from the Today Show saying, we're looking for mommy bloggers who would be interested in appearing on the Today Show in New York early next week to talk about mommy blogging and doing that as a side profession or as your main profession then can you make money mommy blogging really yeah that's a question can you make money mommy blogging i mean it's like an industry now i kind of want to send them the segment of me on the today show <laughs> right, right 10 i years remember ago. that <laughs> interesting and i want to kind of send them the segment and say i don't know if you were paying attention 10 years ago but here i am on your show talking about this very thing. And in in that clip, Kathy Lee Gifford, what's her name now? Like Kathy Re- Lee? Like Regis and Kathy Lee? Yeah. Wow. She, she was really nice to me through the whole interview and then threw me under the bus at the very end and said, well, I'm not comfortable with what you do. <laughs> well, look at that. Like totally yep. didn't like, agree not, with it. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with you, with you sharing about all that stuff about your children. And I'm like, oh, really? Let's let's look back at your career, Kathy, and see how many times you brought up your children and showed photos of them and talked about their activities on Regis and Kathy Lee. Let's go back and count the number of times that you bragged about your children. Oh, shut up. Did she do that on get- air? or She did it on air. Wow. And I tried. I was trying. They were ending the segment. And I was like, okay, your children are far, far, far more in danger of 
a a family member doing something to them and then they are of a stranger that lives on the other side of the world reading about them. Sorry. But I mean, it it has been a discussion for quite a while. And that's why I think that this, you know, the single parent twist to it is interesting, especially in your case, because you were a mommy blogger that was married and uh-huh. then you got divorced. divorced. So now it's a different realm. It is a very different realm. Be I, I wrote about my marriage. I wrote about him. I wrote stories about our relationship. That was all a part of the narrative that I crafted. And I will admit that it was a, a crafted narrative. It was not a direct recounting of my life. And anybody who, um, I mean, in, because I took it very seriously as my craft. It was like, I'm going to craft a story that people want to read and when you're doing that, you are curating what you're showing and you're exaggerating certain things for effect. Which is not, I want to say this, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I guess I want to assume this. It's not lying. It's not making everything up. No. I feel like that's what's what we're seeing now are these mommy bloggers or prominent bloggers that are coming out and saying, this is ridiculous. I've just lied the whole time and I'm done living a fake life. <laughs> there are people that maybe do that. But that's not what a crafted or curated existence means. No, and that's why I wanted to back out of what it had become. I mean, in order to make money anymore, you have to stage birthday parties, right? And I think a a lot of the, the discussion around some people leaving mommy blogging recently has been, it's all fake, it's all a lie, none of these experiences are real, which is true. That's what it has become in order to make a a profit from what you're doing and putting out there. You've got to shill for you got you got to shill some products. But it's not what it was about. No, like when you're talking about the fact that you crafted it, you know, five and ten years ago. That's not what it was about then. No, I I was crafting. I was crafting before it ever even became a a career. Before it ever made money. So you were crafting before crafting was cool. Is what you're saying. No, I, I always approach. Stop it. Stop it. If I have to break out a Pixies reference, I'll do it. Um, Fugazi. Wow. To listen to. Anyway, why did I just say Fugazi? <laughs> it means nothing. <laughs> I'm hip because I know Fugazi. Um, so I always approached my website like, okay, I'm, you know, I want to entertain people and I want people to come away feeling laughter and and light or feeling some sort of connection with me and what it turned into 15 years down the line was not what the in when when I first took an ad it was just a a, a banner ad and I could still write stories people people were under the impression that I was sharing everything about my life and I was sharing just a tiny 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 glimpse into what was going on in my everyday life and I did I did hammer the nail into my own coffin, I'm going to say this, when it came to my divorce, because I had crafted a narrative that I was the crazy um, neurotic wife, right? I'm the crazy neurotic wife who, uh, you know, is has got control or, or she's you know OCD and she's got depression and but she can find the humor in you know her mental health issues and I crafted this narrative to tell a to tell a story and to laugh about a lot of the pain in my life but what it did is so when in, we talked about this in the episode where you know when he revealed to people that I was the one who asked for the separation, all these people were just like, I can't believe or I can't imagine what it was like to live with someone so mentally ill for so long. Right. And I had crafted the, well, I mean, they took that to an extreme. I was, I've been very well medicated for a very long time and I have not been back to the hospital, you know, since my postpartum episode. But any to to get back to the point when, when the divorce happened, the narrative that I had crafted was a strike against me. And I can see that. I mean, that's that's curation gone wrong, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, in, in some ways. Yeah. Right? I mean, I never viewed it as... I mean, I, I didn't read every single day and every single post, but I, I thought it was more comical, less like, here's this deranged woman who's found a reason to laugh. Right. Well, that's what it was supposed to be. But a lot of people interpreted it as, that's a deranged woman. Yeah. But 
I feel like that's just a misunderstanding of writing. I mean, <laughs> you're you're a storyteller. Like that's always how I've seen blogging is you tell a story. Right. Regardless of what you cover, whether it's a mommy blog or a travel blog or a food blog, it's a story about whatever you're covering. Yes. And and, and what I would also do and like so in terms of our of my children, I would I mean, back when when it was just banner ads, that's uh, those. The, I, I think fondly back to those days because writing came so easily then. Because I would notice a certain behavior in my child or a certain experience, and I could extrapolate that one five minute period of time with my child into a seventeen paragraph blog post. And very easily, I did it all the time. I would just take mental notes about something that Lita would say or about being pregnant, or, and I would take that part of her or part of my experience and turn it into a blog post. And now people really did think, people still do think that I have compromised her because I used her in those stories. So in about 2007, 2008, as mommy blogging was was growing exponentially and there was a lot of um, capital being infused into it. There's a lot of criticism around the fact that we were exploiting our children and <clears throat> a lot of discussion about it and back and forth. And people were taking huge aim at me because I was the face of it. And a lot of moms in the space were taking aim at me um, because, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, I was there first. There's a lot of luck in what happened in the trajectory of what of of my career i was there at the right time i was doing it a certain way that attracted a really you know dedicated audience but i got a lot of email in, in 2007 2008 from old school writers like people who had columns in newspapers or who had written books about parenthood that involved all of their children and their children's idiosyncrasies and their family life. And they were like, you know, we are celebrating our family. And he's like, we, we, you know, so many of these writers have received the same criticism that we were getting as mommy bloggers. And he's like, don't pay attention to it because you know what you're sharing and you know what you're not sharing. They have no idea. So this was positive stuff, like from people who had already written about their children and their children did not end up demented and horrible. Exactly. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Who actually thanked one one author had had a column in a, in a paper, I believe it was in Texas, and he had written years about uh, being a father and his his daughter was so happy to have that record of his experience with her. And, you know, even to this day was thanking him, you know, thank you so much for this treasure that you've given me of this insight into your experience as being my father, which is what I always in the back of my mind is like, I eventually, I want my kids to see what it was like for me as a mom at 30 and 35 and, you know, now at 40, like I, I wanted them to, cause what I would give, I see pictures of my mom at my age I see pictures of her. I want to know what she was thinking and feeling. Well, I think, I don't know if we've said it on here or if we've talked about it or maybe you've you've written it, but I mean, it's like you don't scrapbook. You don't journal, like in a traditional journaling sense. So it's that's what it is. Yes. It's a record of life. It's not exploiting. It's just a record of yes. your life. I, I guess if someone exploits it, then that's their choice. That's not your choice. It's your record of your life. Well, the, the the argument is that I'm making money off of it. And so I'm using her childhood to make money. Um, and then I guess every storyteller is exploiting whatever they're writing about. That's, yeah. I guess you could say that. I mean, every fiction character is arguably inspired by someone in real life. Yes. In some way. Who's not getting compensated. Right. Or even identified in most cases. And my children have amazing college funds. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> See? So, I mean, yeah, you're, I guess, they're benefiting from it as well. Right? I mean. They have a roof. They have a roof over their head. Right. They have And a clothing. mom at home. They have a mom at home. Yeah. But, you but know, so you, no, to, you, but. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> go, go ahead. I what? I what? I was just going to say, you know, these writers would write to you and say, thank you, you know, you're choosing what to share. And that was my question is how, how did you choose what to share back then? 
I guess pre pre divorce. Pre divorce. So, and I've said this in, in interviews many times: the story of a child from about from the time they're born to about age three is pretty universal. There's there's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot of eating and not eating. There's a ton of poop. And there are several ways to tell that story in an entertaining way and to tell that story so that you feel less alone and to tell that story to feel a connection. And I shared a lot about both of my kids during those years of their lives. And as they, once they start to grow out of that and they start to develop their own personality traits, I was much more careful about specific things that I would share. Um, And I guarantee you that somebody is going to break out the post that I wrote about giving Lita an enema. I guarantee it. My God, (laughs) the controversy about me writing about giving Lita an enema. When in fact, so many, so many parents wrote me and said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for writing about this. I thought I was the only parent dealing with this. So many people wrote me and said, thank you so much for saying this out loud because I was certain that I was the only parent who had ever had to give an enema to my child. It helps people feel less alone. Yeah. They can relate to something. Yeah. It's what we've talked about. It's solo solidarity. If Lita gets to be 30 years old and the worst thing that has happened to her is that there is a story of her at four or three or four years old where her mother gave her an enema. If that is the worst thing that has ever happened to her, God bless her. Right. God bless her privilege is is what I have to say about that. Yeah. And... Um, man, I'm gonna get a man. I'm gonna get shit for this. <laughs> but she's not gonna look back on that, you know. I mean, yeah, maybe at 16, like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. But as she grows up, it doesn't matter. Again, the law, like you said, it's not a big thing. Yeah. Right. No, it's not. And again, I, I've curated everything. I hate that word, but I have. I have been very selective about all the things that I, there's so much that people don't know about Lita and Marlo. There's so much they don't know. Um, They know that they know the essence of who my children are. It comes through in their photos. It comes through in the stories that I tell, but there's so much that's gone on in their lives. Nobody has any clue. Nobody has any idea and they never will. Yeah. That's their life. And that's your life with them. And you get to choose what to share. Yes. And that then I got divorced. (laughs) But that so... So, it's, I mean, it's less complicated. I guess for me, when it comes to sharing, it's more personal for me, um, less about Lexton, only because, well, for one, I don't have the audience that you have, so people haven't been reading his story forever. But for another, we decided very, very, very early on that his face and his name would not appear online. That would apply to every social channel that we both used that applied to, you know, when we would be somewhere and someone would take a photo and this always ended up being an issue and they'd want to put it on Facebook, but he was in the photo and we, we wouldn't allow it. Um, and, and in part that was due, I think probably more to her discomfort in general with the sharing, uh, overall. And I didn't, I didn't really push it, but then it's also, I think I mentioned this, you know, in the second episode or something, it has to do with not wanting to put his life online for his biological father to find. Yes. Uh, so we avoided that. And and that's something that it has nothing to do with, you know, Heather or myself. It's just for, for his, we view it in his best interest. And you made that decision together. And we made that decision together. And it wasn't something that either one of us, it's not like we separated and then suddenly started posting photos online because we we acknowledge that it was it was for him and it was a very valid reason in in the respect of you know this this third party you know having a look but now i'm very cautious about what i put on social platforms because i don't i don't really know what social platform she's still using and i don't really want to share extra bits of my life. I mean, I want to curate the story of my life to her, as weird as that sounds. Um, And I don't know what social platforms her husband uses. And I don't want him taking part in my life either. Her husband. 
I still can't. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Her husband. <clears throat> okay. And you don't want him taking part in your life. I totally, totally get that. I just don't want the window, which is, it's, it kind of, it's unfortunate because then in some sense I'm letting them control what I do. But at the same time, I don't really feel like I'm, it's not like I'm missing out on experiences. I'm just not sharing as many things as I would, which okay. isn't really, a, you know, and then we have Lexton who wants his own Instagram account. So that's a totally separate world now. You know, what happens when he wants to start sharing? Yeah, I think we've talked about this in a previous episode. Well, and I think we've talked about it in terms of, of age. And I know for me, the biggest hurdle will not be his age and it will not be me. It will, it will be Heather because she's not as comfortable with the social network environment. And I'm not criticizing her for that. That's her choice. It is whatever. But it's it's hard to come to common ground on things like that when you're not one common entity. And maybe you know something about that as well. <laughs> are you pro- are you prompting me? Not in the least. Not in the <laughs> least. Well, but when you, when you were originally, you know, the the married mommy blogger, did you decide together like sit down and make a conscious choice this is what we will share or was it just understood that you're the one crafting the stories and you can make the decision in terms of what is okay to share. It was understood that I'm the one I'm the one who's paying for the house. So you get the say. I'm the one well, it was just like I had been doing it for so long when I started I'd already been doing it for four, four and a half years before I started making money. And he wanted to quit his job, which put a lot of pressure on me as a creative person. Like, okay, so now the mortgage depends on my output as a creative person, the mortgage and the family. And so we made, we kind of jumped off a bridge because who knew if this model was going to work, right? Who knew if mommy blogging at 10, (laughs) who knew if mommy blogging was actually going to make a go of it? And so he quit his job and I, it was up to me to keep readers engaged and to make sure that we hit page view numbers and unique visitors. And so there, there really was no discussion about what I could and couldn't post because one, he knew that I was, I had discernment. You were trusted to make the right decisions. Right. I was very inexperienced. I will say this. I was very inexperienced at the scrutiny. Um, and made several public missteps because of that, because I didn't understand the scrutiny and was very uncomfortable with with that. And um, Like sharing things that you wished you hadn't? No, um, just people being very rude to me publicly. And I've said this before in interviews, (laughs) I keep saying that, (laughs) but there was a point, I was watching a, a series about all of these singers and uh like everybody who's died at the age of 27 right you know Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix and uh Amy Winehouse and I remember sitting there watching it and this was after this is what the, the kind of the pinnacle of things and it hit me why so many of those creative people are so troubled and have so many demons is because I'll Part of it is that most people can count on one hand the number of people who hate them. You have that friend from high school. You have your possibly your ex. You have maybe an in-law or whatnot. Possibly. You can count on one hand. And here you when you're a creative type thrust into, you know, your celebrity, you are confronted with masses of people who either want to bring you down have a the very very strong and misinformed opinions of you who hate you and that's a really 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 weird reality to live with and it takes a lot of getting used to and i can see creative people who already are probably predisposed to being sensitive not being able to cope with it so i didn't cope with it very well but i was making the decisions about what i would and wouldn't share and it paid the bills it was very successful. It was, it was a, it was a, a great career. And so. <laughs> and, it, and it was fine. 
Like that, it was. And it, it was, was working out from the business standpoint. He trusted you. Yes, to make everything the was about fine. There was never, there was never a question of you know, there was never like you shouldn't have published that or why did you share that? That was never a question. So did that change though when you, well, when you first separated and then when you divorced? When we separated, no, it didn't change at all. Um, I continued to. I continued to write whatever. He was still on payroll for over a year after the divorce. He okay. he was still collect he was still collecting a paycheck. And so why would he argue with me writing stories if he's still getting paid? Right, and it's still working, still doing well. So yeah, don't question it. My website's still you know doing what it needs to do. And then we discussed that the he after he moved and I filed paperwork with the court and he retaliated against me. We eventually, after a lot of heartache and fear and horrifying weeks of not knowing things, we finally ended up months and months later in another mediation. He came armed with a list of things that he wanted reparations for. I'm not quite sure why, because a lot of those things cost us a lot of money because the mediator was so much was so expensive and those things didn't he he kind of just wanted to be heard i think is what it was okay and he he could tell that side of the story but i had just gotten back from taking my children to uh spring break and i was with my friend Kristen, and this is going to be a plug for one of her projects that she does it's called asshole parent you may have seen this (laughs) I haven't, but I need to look it up now. <laughs> she has an Instagram account and a Facebook page, and I think there's a website. And it's a picture of ch- small children throwing an absolute fit for the most ridiculous reason possible. Like, you know, I bought my child an ice cream cone, but it it was beige and not white. Like, that sort of thing. And the child is throwing an absolute fit like screaming crying snot coming out of their nose and then it's hashtagged asshole parent and my kids were playing with her kids I wasn't even there I didn't take the photo I didn't upload the photo my kids were with her kids I was uh I had gone to some seminar with her and she had hired a babysitter to take all of the kids to the playground and (laughs) the older kids were super happy to be there and the younger kids didn't want to pose for the photo Marlo and her younger kid and we're like turning around and being really upset about it. And so this babysitter took a photo of it and it got uploaded to this account called Asshole Parent. And it was like, we took them to the park and asked them to pose for a photo. So now I'm an asshole, right? Well, that prompted. <laughs> wow. I didn't even know, like, I only saw it a few days after it was published. You can't even see Marlo's face in it because her back is turned because she doesn't want her photo taken. Right. So one of the demands in mediation was that I wasn't allowed to post or write about anything about my children online again ever anywhere which is sort of like saying you need to quit your job and stop working yeah i mean which is interesting because he doesn't have a job and that would mean that i there would be no income from our children so there was a very there was a very interesting development considering that there had never been a problem before when it was paying his bills wow is this Im- <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, but was there, when this was, was this like just a, like, this needs to stop? There was no explanation as to why that request was made? I'm just He made the curious. request. So so the, so inter- what was interesting is that the mediator, I had explained to the mediator what I did for a living and he was trying to understand it. He's an older gentleman trying to get the gist of, wait, you write about your family online? Okay, I understand. Oh, got it. So, so he came back into the room and he's like, okay, so this is one of the demands. And I looked at the mediator and I said, I'm going to get up and walk out. You've got to be kidding me. Like I started laughing and he said, I know, I know, I know, I know. He said, so I've talked him down to, um, he wants to be able to approve everything that you've written or any photo that you take before you post it. And I said, I'm getting up out of this chair and I'm walking out of this room. You do realize that. He goes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. He said, and then I talked him down to, we will, you will both make the best judgment when it comes to posting about your children online. Which is what it was to begin with, right? Yes. I mean, yes. essentially, even even when you were together and you and you were running Deuce, he could post on Twitter and Facebook and, and whatever, he did. right? Yeah, he abs- and he did. And you trusted that he would post things that are 
good and appropriate and yeah. fine. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like my mouth is I like had dropped to the floor. My mother is sitting there and my mother like the steam coming through her out of her ears. She was just like, what on earth? And uh, I was like, what is this? Why? I, I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, why is he making this sort of insane request now, 15 years after it has supported the entire family? Why is he doing this now? And the media, I didn't even ask that question. He saw the look on my face and the mediator was like, so are you familiar with a, with a tour, with a, with an Instagram account called asshole parent? (laughs) Wow. And I said, You've got to be kidding me. And he said, well, he says that it's inappropriate content and there's a photo of your child on there. And I looked, I, I, I stuck my hand across the table and I said, I didn't take that photo. Someone else did. I didn't upload the photo. I didn't even know the photo was there. And he said, well, if you could please have that photo removed immediately, then he'll be a lot more reasonable about all of this. So I had to text Kristen from mediation and say, hey. Can you delete this? Can you please delete that from the Instagram account? Because apparently I'm supposed to quit what I've been doing for the last 15 years because of it. I'm, hmm. And it just just doesn't seem like an offensive post. No, it was, again. I mean, I get, I, I know that that wasn't really the, I know, but it's just an odd example to site, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure people have wondered about that. I'm sure people have wondered, you know, I mean, he wasn't ever going to get away with that request. That was just not going to happen. It was, first of all, it's unreasonable for him suddenly after so many years of being okay with it for him to decide since he was no longer profiting from it, then okay, it's not okay. But he is profiting. He is profiting from it because it's paying for his children's welfare. My website still supports my kids. It is right. the supporter of my children. That's why they will go to college. I mean, it's it's done a lot. It's done yeah, a lot. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised. I think that you know I can see that happening in a lot of situations. I think it's especially pronounced with you because you are a prominent figure on these social platforms and with and with Juice.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Do you, you know, aside from that aspect, aside from, from sharing things on Deuce, do you ever have that same feeling, sort of like what I was saying, where I just don't want, I don't want to give people a window into my life? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Is, so, is that a thing? Do you feel that way sometimes? Not strangers. I, I don't really care about strangers. <laughs> Two days ago was Marlo's birthday. And we had a family party for her with a few friends as well and at my sister's house. And normally I would be documenting the hell out of that thing. Like I would have my DSLR camera. I would have, I would be taking shot after shot after shot, making sure that I got every moment captured. And then I would come back and I would write about her birthday party. There is no record of her birthday party anywhere online. People could probably assume that I didn't throw her a birthday party, you know? And having that separation is glorious yeah yeah i was wondering because i knew i knew that it was her birthday and i mean i've seen celebration photos in the past and didn't see anything and i didn't i mean i'm not gonna ask and pry but i was wondering about that Mm -hmm. 
I just assumed yeah. you were terrible and not throwing her a party. <laughs> it's, that's probably a good assumption. But I didn't. <laughs> I, did, I did not want to document it. I didn't want to document it. He's like, I I just want to sit here and enjoy being with my family without having to take photographs and take notes in my head about what how, how I'm going to craft this story. I wanted to enjoy it, and I did. But was that just because you didn't want to put the effort into documenting it because you didn't want to spend the time, or was there part of that that you just didn't want that shared? I just wanted, I just wanted to enjoy the moment. Yeah. In in. What what the job became was, yeah, you know, I have to write about every – there has to be something written about where we're going and what we're doing. And so there was never living inside of it. It was, it was living on the edges of it so that I could document it. And the, the level of burnout I experienced was very dangerous. And now I, I at least know, put, it, put my phone down, put the camera down, put the notepad down. And enjoy being with nieces and nephews who I saw being born and sharing stories. And nobody knows that there was a party thrown. Nobody has any clue. Nobody knows. You know, I didn't post any photos of humans, really, when I was in Thailand. And half of what I experienced there is not documented online and won't be. Because I was instead experiencing it. And I love that that separation having lived inside of there being no separation that separation is super glorious yeah but if you throw a party and you don't share it socially and there's no one there <laughs> to criticize it did you actually throw a party that's really i think the big question here <laughs> now you have no proof i know i know and for me what what i do especially on instagram and Facebook is I'm putting things up there that I will eventually print out for myself um, for my scrapbook because like you have, there's all these services now that can print from Instagram and it's my little scrapbook. And, and they're very good services too, most of them. They've come quite a yeah, long way. I love the separation now where I've, I think that I have established finally like I'm not giving you guys even – I'm not even giving you guys a fifth of what is going on in my life. I can't anymore. I physically and emotionally and mentally can't do that anymore. And I think that um, over the last year, people have understood that I've needed that boundary and separation. Which is huge. Yeah. I mean, for me, though, it was it was because that wasn't my life. I mean, I hadn't depended on the sharing. For me, it was just I looked at it as, you know, Heather didn't want to be part of my life. So why would I go and do things and have experiences and then put them out there where they can be experience not not that she's at home like researching me and trying to find out what I'm doing but I just didn't want that I don't know I just didn't want to offer that channel I guess which was something I never thought about before yeah no I, to I totally get it I've I've come to enjoy my privacy as I get older and as I have had so much experience with my privacy being criticized or excuse me scrutinized and and invaded yeah I've really come to cherish the fact that I get to choose now what I'm, I, I'm, I'm going, I mean, I always did choose what I was going to document. Just, just knowing now that I don't have to do it on the scale that I used to has been very freeing. And you don't have to do it at all. I mean, like you said, you, yeah. you did something and nobody knew mm -hmm. and that's okay. But five years ago, not so much. Right. Five years ago, that was documented. It existed. Yes. And I realized, so I used to keep, I used to do a monthly newsletter to Lita every month on the third of each month. I would write a newsletter to her. It's now composed. It's now compiled in a book called Dear Daughter. Yeah, you did those for years, right? For over five years. Yeah, okay. And I, re I realized the day after Marlo's birthday that I, w I haven't done that. I haven't done them now for years. And that as sad as it is that I can't give the same thing, I can't, I don't have a book for Marlo. I also don't have this unrelenting pressure to come up with something every month that is unique and compelling and tear jerking and gut wrenching. And it's like, I can just, I can just experience her without the documentation of it. Exactly. And you still experience those very real gut wrenching moments, but they're not put into words. Yeah, and I think when in in terms of like it coming like what what I will share and not share. I mean that what I just shared about mediation is one of them. That's a lot for me to share here. Um. <laughs> it, yeah, that's 
that's a that's a pretty big insight into what I've been through and um um because it that one that 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 twenty minute period where I was talking with a mediator about wait a minute I'm not I'm not allowed to write about my children or post photos of them ever again online after after I just told you that that's what I do for a living yeah that's what pays the bills that like that like that keeps the lights on and um that's sort of a that that staggering like okay let me wrap my head around this. Let me just wrap my head around what you just told me. That you just extrapolate that over the course of the last five. That's been the last five years of my life. In every iteration, like every possible mutation you can take of that twenty minutes, that's what it has been like. And divorce, divorce is not fun, and especially when it involves public personas and the personas of your children. Yeah, but I think even on a smaller scale, it's we we're in a very interesting time, where that does. I think anyone who has any sort of social presence, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, I feel like when a divorce or a separation happens, that's like a separate realm that needs to be either directly addressed or that you need to be aware of as an individual. You know, I have these mm-hmm. X number of public accounts. Or maybe they're not public, but I am connected to this person. You know, is it a situation where you need to no longer be connected to them, where you need to block them, where you need to make your account? I mean, what what has to happen? And I, I don't know if people really consider it. And I don't think it's, yeah, it's not like a you, major thing, but... Did you block her or... Her? No. I did not. I did not block her. Her. I, I did. I did block her husband. <laughs> absolutely everywhere i could <laughs> i don't i don't know if i've mentioned this i at one point shortly after the separation there was a heated discussion about uh attending school events and this was like the beginning of the last school year so you know two, three months after he was here. And I didn't really agree with it. I didn't think it was appropriate. They didn't really know each other that well. And what it sort of came down to is that she texted me and said, here's his phone number. If you have a problem with it, you can talk to him. Oh, my God. So. Oh, my God. I won't. Oh, did you get a mediator? I won't say how that exactly played out, but I will say that I have yet to talk to him about any of that. And I made it very clear that he has really no place but I did put his phone number into my phone just so that I could block it on my phone. So that it's like, that was the only reason I put it in. Yeah, I, that, that aspect, I have no interest. I mean, I'm all about maintaining a good relationship with her. But that piece, not so much. I did block him. <laughs> Most definitely. I'm like, where could he possibly be? Should I open an account just to have the satisfaction of blocking? That would be fun. You know, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, we didn't, I didn't, I didn't unfollow or block or do any of that sort of thing. I find it, not that you're, I find it, I find it that when I do it, it's really dramatic. Or when people talk about I'm blocked and blah, blah, blah. Like I'll block at will when, for people who are being belligerent to me, like block, block, block. But when it's like, I'm going to unfollow this person, I find it a little dramatic. At least I can't do it. I can't do it without feeling really, really, really dramatic. So I just don't ever do it. <laughs> so there's a ton of people that I'm following. I'm like, I really want to unfollow this person, but I don't want to be that unfollow person. Oh, I have no. I feel like if the interaction, like I, I don't know. I'm not attached. But it is a valid thing to consider when you separate. Depending on the relationship between you and an ex, yeah. it's definitely. We're at that point where it's, you know, maybe you maybe you don't live in the same house, but do you still post on Facebook? I don't know. I mean. Yeah. I mean, and there's also connected with that, I would say, because I have, I've had a, re- a couple of relationships since then, like <laughs> realizing that someone has blocked you or unfollowed you on certain platforms can be, it can break your heart. Even after the relationship is done? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why you need to embrace the block and unfollow culture. <laughs> well, I did. Well, I did. When when I there was an unfollow that really broke my heart. And so I 
did the same as sort of like, okay, I think that, yeah. Oh, I'll start crying if I talk about it. Oh my gosh. Where is that emotion coming from? That's like a separate, <laughs> that's like Am I getting, oh goodness. the importance of social connections beyond, yes. beyond single parenting, just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be the next four episodes. <laughs> we'll del- we're going to delve into that relationship. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. I will say this about about all of that, though, and about navigating this with, with an ex is my ability to draw boundaries, even within the last six months, has multiplied by 10. Like, I am so comfortable with saying, no, that's not okay, or... This, you doing this to me is not okay. You saying this to me is not okay. You acting this way and expecting this of me is not okay. Like, those boundaries are so much easier for me to draw because of what I've been through in the last five years that I have the, I have the last five years of my life to thank for being 40 years old and going, I get to tell you to stop it. It has taken me it, this long to be able to stand up and say that. But at least you got to that point. Yeah. You know, taking this long as one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You could have been looking back 40 years from now and saying, I wish I had gotten there. (laughs) But you didn't. And then we're going to have 15 more social platforms to juggle. And life is going to be that much more complicated. Oh, and and I'm not going to be sharing. I'm not going to be sharing. There's so much of my life that will go undocumented. And that's okay. Dun, 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 dun. That is okay. But people forget that. I think life must be shared in order for life. I mean, I made that joke. Like if, if you didn't share the birthday party, did it happen? But I feel like that is how a lot of people live their life. Like I have to, I have to show this or I wasn't there, Mm -hmm. which I've never understood. I've never felt that compelled to do that. So I got so burned out on taking photo. (laughs) This sounds, this is, oh, this sounds terrible. I got so burned out on taking daily photos with my DSLR camera and figuring out what I was going to document every single day that I have not picked up that camera in probably six months. I I use my phone to take all of my images now. And this morning, um, Lita was getting out of bed and I reached over um, and just I, if if I'm waking her up in the morning, I reach over and I sort of put my hand on her face and I cradle her hand, cradle her face in my hand. And I was rubbing her eye as she was waking up and it hit me that I have not taken a photo of her with my DSLR camera. And I was like, at first I was, oh no, like she's been 12 here now for s- six months and I haven't taken like a, like a professional photograph of her. It's all on my phone. And there was a, it was like, oh no. But then I thought, wait a minute, I have a box of photos downstairs from my childhood. And how many of them, like how much of my childhood was documented? Not nearly as much as what she has. Exactly. And you have phone, I mean, maybe not a professional image, but you have images. Yes. And you weren't stuck behind camera i mean maybe you don't have images of some things but you but you have those images in your own way mm-hmm. right whether you shared them or not there this is gonna be sound so cheesy but they're right here in my brain but that's what they're i mean you were living it i was living it i was living it yeah sometimes you have to step off the platforms to actually to remind yourself that you're there i guess it's you know you can mm-hmm. show people that you're that you're doing this or that this is what you're experiencing. But I feel like to really experience it, you have to not care so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, I've gotten in the habit of taking a bunch of images and things when I go somewhere. And then if I share them, I'm usually home because yeah. then I take the time to look through them and decide what I like and what I don't like and put them up. But I'm long gone weeks yeah, and I don't mind. I think we're old in this feeling. <laughs> I, guarantee, I guarantee that's part of it. But I've also kind of just lost the need to take quality. I mean, I don't know. I started this series with Lexton where whenever we get ice cream, we take an ice cream selfie. Like every single time we get an ice cream cone. And they're ridiculous and they're with the front-facing camera on my phone and they're low quality. But 
They're awesome. I mean, I have like a year's worth of ice cream selfies, which is also alarming to see how much ice cream I've eaten <laughs> in a year. But aside from that, it's cool. And I wasn't worried about anything about the light or this or that. I just took them because it was something that we did. I never share them. It's just isn't you know, that great though. It's That's awesome. so great. It's awesome. You're showing the dirty side of the room is what you were doing. You weren't staging the photo. You were just taking it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The dirty side of the room, one cone at a time. But I'm sure that, that other people, you know, our, our listeners, other people who've gone through separations have... I can't imagine what people have been through in terms of this. Because I bet there are whole divorce agreements that are centered around, like, you will not do this online with about the children and this online about the children and... I would love to hear some other perspectives about this. And maybe you were on the other side and were like, stop writing about the kids. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. From the other perspective as well. And if you want to let me have it and tell me to go straight to hell because I've been exploiting my children for millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, go for it. And please mention the enema. If you <laughs> please mention the enema. <laughs> very important. Very, very important that we get that in there. Get that, uh, get that swing at me. And if you do want to share those stories or share any other thoughts with us, you can email us, as always, at stories at manicramblings.com. Or you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at manicramblings. Yes, please do. We, we read everything that we can get our hands on and love, love your feedback. And until next time lean over the desk at that mediator and go you gotta be out of your goddamn mind yep mm -hmm. that's what I said just like that <laughs> cause this divorce just got that much worse okay <laughs> sorry to, to be a fly on the wall for that wow oh man it's, it was another us weekly episode of manic rambling spiral <laughs> Bloggers, they're just like us. I'm surprised okay. that's not a serious one. All right. <laughs> Have amicable relationships with your exes. Yep, it's a good idea. If you can. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.